Yeah, mate, I just want to say first off, let's uh, let's call Olivia Benson at the uh, Special Victims Unit because I was abused in the last <laughs> podcast you did with Adam. My confidence was <laughs> in Matt Ryan's laundromat after a visit to Foxbro. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I may not be a threat to win the title, but I'm always a threat to get the podcast pulled off the platforms for excessive poo and semen jokes. It's game time. So to me, that would be a good way to open it up. Yes. You know, so yeah, there's definite appeal there. Oh, no, we just lost our under 20 demographic. It was a fizzer. So where do young people go when they're not uh, catching passes at the Steelers, Tay? Someone like the Jets will probably throw a massive coin at him to try and send his career into a tailspin. Hot diggity dog. I'm an optimist. I, I like having lots of options. Because, I mean, we see this all the time. We see three for twos. We see two for ones. Honestly, mate, that'd be enough to make me play well. This is a game my wife and I play at home and you're like, whoa! <laughs> this is the Astro League. It sounds so weird in like an Australian accent. The Astro League. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the Astro League podcast. I think my sheriff's decision is I, I just wouldn't do it during the season. G'day, g'day. It is Matty C for the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm the host of the show, I am the commissioner of the league, and I'm halfway through a conversation with Big Bad Taylor Goodall. It is the season return, the triumphant return of Taylor for Taylor Talk, and we've gotten a few players through his list of guys who he wants to talk about, where he loves their ADP, thinks they could really smash through their ADP this year, Uh, and as we are approaching our draft next week, we're like nine days away from the draft, it is a great time to be talking about this stuff. So go back and catch episode one, it will make much more sense if you catch episode one before this one, where we go through a few of the guys earlier in the list, but this is the continuation of that conversation so uh, if you would prefer just to catch this one and then go back no troubles this will have a couple of callbacks to the earlier part of the conversation though so so as it is i'm going to drag taylor back in here let's finish this up and uh here we go Sorry, I was just laughing because you know this is this is an absolute throw at the stumps, like I did with Deshaun Jackson last year. Oh, uh, this, this one is actually even more crazy, as it's a guy who may even end up in the waivers on a sixteen-team draft. The ADP is eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. <laughs> I, yeah, he's not getting drafted. No, and I brought. I think I brought him up to you really early in the preseason. He may have even come up in that in a pod from what the end of last year's season on Astro. Uh, it's Prashad Perryman. So I've got some real devil's advocate against him too, but the thing is I don't really need to bring it up when he's ADP 87. So I'll, yeah. I'll mention it quickly, but I'll just say this Lions team is going to have to throw, and as much shit Jared Goff gets, he's actually not a bad quarterback. Perryman showed two seasons ago at the Bucks that he still has big playability, and then he actually showed flashes last season, even on the Jets with Flaccid Flacco throwing pies at him. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the Astros had a better receiving core than this team, so I can't see how Perryman isn't heavily involved. Look for plenty of garbage yards for him in the second half of games. Jesus uh wow okay so i while you were talking about that i, I just quickly made a quick pros and cons list and uh which one i've got go some first? cons don't worry mate i've got some cons too <laughs> well one list is considerably longer than the other uh, <laughs> that's what you get from 87 but i mean so so that that's the first thing in his in his pros list is like well he costs you nothing 
It'll cost you nothing. In our league, between 65 and 70 wide receivers typically get drafted and then, you know, because those guys at the bottom, you don't know what they're going to be and they're the first people you drop when you see somebody actually do something week one and, you know, it's all good. You know, it's all good. So 87 is kind of something in his four column and that – do you know he was an 18th overall draft pick the year he was drafted by the Ravens? A rare miss by the Ravens. Yeah, well – you know, he didn't really show much until he kind of got that opportunity at the end of that Bucks season, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Mike Evans or – yeah, I think it was Mike Evans went down. Yeah, or it might have yeah. even been Godwin as well. Uh, he, he got himself an opportunity right at the end and he, he flashed two games in a row, I think it was, you know, yeah. went over 100 yards and he actually showed the, the prowess that he can have. And he, he chimed in for a few really good touchdowns even under frigging Adam shitty piece of shit gays last year. <laughs> And, you know, like I said, don't have to talk about Flaccid Flacco anymore. Um, he actually showed that he can separate and he can make a big play. And I just think there's going to be way too many pass attempts from this Lions team in the second half of games. They're going to be down so often. Uh, again, the devil, devil's advocate I've got isn't so much about, you know, the actual team being shit and stuff like that. You know, we all know that. Yeah. Uh, my issue is I think a lot of the receptions are going to come from the backfield, and I've got a guy I'm going to talk about later. Mm. Uh, and I think that's going to soak up a lot. And the fact that they're prob- their number one target's probably going to be their tight end in Hawkinson. Yeah. I and I think he's going to soak up a lot of it with their backfield. So there isn't going to be, even with some a lot of passing attempts in the second half, there probably isn't a huge amount of pie left that I would like, but I just cannot see anyone usurping him in that wide receiving core. And if they're going to actually have to go for some yards, which you would think they're going to have to, they can't just check down the whole game if they're down by 30, <laughs> but they're actually going to have to actually air the ball out a bit. And Goff is a decent player at doing that. He He's not a horrendous QB. We're not talking about a, a backup to a backup here. He actually is a very serviceable quarterback. And, I mean, that would be the best way I could use him. He's not fantastic, but he's serviceable. And I just think he's going to have the ability to throw a long ball to Perryman. And I think he's the guy in that receiving core I would be throwing my uh, weight behind. I know some other people people might actually decide that are better, but I, not by much. And I just think Perryman's the one who has big playability. So, at 87, I really don't have much... You know, there isn't really much scope for me to miss on this. If he if he looks like he's not getting involved <laughs> in Detroit to throw for two, just over two hundred yards, and most of it's to Hawkinson and Swift and and Williams, then I can just punt him. I, I mean, it's it's going to take two seconds. He's off my team. Oh, one hundred percent. And I mean, I tell you what, though, if he finishes as wide receiver eighty eight, you're going to. F- Get it from me. Mate. It's not good <laughs> Season three, mate. I'm coming after you. Adam will just destroy me. <laughs> he will. He will. I, I was also sort of thinking, okay, so down, being down a lot is in my pros column. My my uh, cons column is, is kind of extensive because it's mainly just names. And it's like, well, you know, I don't know if Goff is a pro, but I'll tell you what isn't. They signed Tyrell Williams, who was essentially Brashard Perryman. Keelan Cole, who is essentially Brashad Perryman. They drafted Armon Rustin Brown, which is, you know, equally Miss and Brown's brother, the guy at the Packers, who's actually a better receiver than his brother. 
And then there's Hawkinson and Swift and Williams, like you just mentioned. And and I thought to myself, who even is the damn coach there anymore? You, have you ever had those moments where you go, I don't even know who the coach is? Was it Dan is. Campbell? Is that his name? Dan fucking Campbell. Yeah, yeah. And he looks like he just looked like he bench press a house. Like he just looks like an absolute <laughs> machine. Because I think he was a tight end for someone in the league a few years back. And and at some point when the Dolphins were really in a bind and they'd sacked some people, Dan Campbell was the interim head coach. And, like, he was their tight ends coach. And he was, then became their interim head coach for, like, nine games. And they actually did okay. And I think it was more because it's, like, recently retired player, kind of gets us, we buy in. And then by about the sixth game, they're like, this guy doesn't know how to coach. And we stink. And they kind of fell apart again. So I just kind of wonder what the Dan Campbell experience Mark II is going to be like in another perennially unsuccessful city. So I don't know. I've got this list of receivers who are Brashad Perryman to me. And... This is why, I guess, at 87, who cares if it's not Brashad Pyramid? All these other guys will probably be available. Um, I, just, if- I just think he's better than all those guys, personally. And if, if again, what pie is left out of what's not Hawkinson's and not Swift's and not yeah. Jamal Williams's, it could be very low. So, you know, there is a chance that it's just not the right pick. But I'm also just wondering whether the, those guys that I just mentioned get the shorter yardage and he actually gets yeah. the bombs at the end of games and, you know, the ones that actually matter and he finishes games with two receptions for 87 yards and <laughs> one or two touchdowns, you know what I mean? I, I just think there is there is a world where that happens and that's all you need when you're picking a guy at ADP 87 is a world where you can see it happening. And the, the problem I see for the Lions, and I don't want to – sorry, we'll probably have to go through some of the other stuff quicker, <laughs> otherwise we'll be here forever. But right. I – the, the Lions look like they want to be that hard-nosed team that grinds out wins, blah, blah, blah. That's what Ugh. Dan Campbell talks about. But they don't have the defense to do that. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they, you know, everyone could be hard-nosed and want to be, you know, tough as much as they want. But they're going to give up 30-odd points every single game. Yeah. So they're going to have to, as much as they want to run the ball and stuff like that and grind out some sort of game plan, they're just not going to be able to do it. And they're going to be forced into throwing some bombs. So I just hope <laughs> that one of them or two of them occasionally Occasionally, went to Perryman. God bless Dan Campbell, though, for saying the right things. I think he's yeah. actually gone in there and just gone, the fuck is this bullshit? Have a look. at yeah. These guys are like, you know, Homer Simpson with the Denver Broncos falling all over each other in his front yeah. yard. I think that's what he walked into. And he's like, well, I've got a press conference in 10 minutes, so I better write some stuff down. Yeah, and then the, you even look at their first-round draft picks, Sewell. Like they don't go after a skill player. They just go after, you know, the best offensive linemen. You know, they weren't looking to make a splash. They wanted to show that they're tough and they can yeah. bite, bite kneecaps. That's basically what they're going to try and do. Uh, I'm just going to move to my honorable mention in wide receiver uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. So, Darnell Mooney at 54. I know I've spoken to you, you know, off, off the pod a few times about him. Uh, I draft him wherever you can, I say. Uh, he's the clear two on that team now and beats his defender with ease on almost every play. His quarterback play last season was testicles, and even with <laughs> Dalton, it has to be better. If not, it's field's time, which is a massive upgrade for that offense. So I, I just don't see a downside for him. No, I love Darnell Mooney because of what he's going to cost you. Why does he have a 54? Holy cow. I'd just like to point out that I got him off the waivers in our dynasty, 14-man dynasty league, uh, and I'm still pretty proud of it. Fuck, stole him, really. Yeah. I mean, when you get a guy like that for free, just for free, just that's the sort of stuff that uh, it just turns rosters right around, you know, because he's, he's going to be fine there for a couple of years. And honestly, it was 
one of those things where I watched him. He didn't go and make some huge play or anything. He didn't have some great stat line. But in Dynasty, you look for something that you can see that's going to turn into something good in two or three years. And I just kept looking at the fact that he kept beating his defender. He would be like four or five meters past his defender and – the ball would just sail over him or it'd sail right to him or it'd be pretty much passed to the guy that was four <laughs> or five metres like shallow of him uh, for an interception. He just could not get someone to throw anywhere near him. He, he is such a great separator. And as soon as he gets someone that can throw the ball anywhere near him, I just think he's going to be an absolute <laughs> weapon. He, It's going to be that perfect one-two punch with them. I think Alan Robinson's still going to be the guy that gets a lot of the targets and some of the shorter stuff. But I think Darnell Mooney's going to be a real big play guy. And yeah. you're going to see him have some enormous weeks, I think. Yeah, I think he's going to be the Will Fuller of this team in a yeah, lot of ways. Ab- absolutely. Oh, yeah. well, there's probably no better comp, really. Yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully yeah. without the PEDs. Yeah, well, if you could have them and not be caught, then he could yeah. do exactly what. Well, look, that was doesn't, on. you know, they <laughs> don't take away points from my dynasty team or my uh, my uh, redraft team just because he's uh, not been caught. Yeah, you see, isn't that the thing though? Like nobody had their points stripped from them because of the forty-seven point Will Fuller game on Thanksgiving. Nobody had their points stripped. This is not like a absolutely, race. absolutely. So now, loose end is back. And this, oh, is, yes. and this is the spoiler alert I mentioned. Uh, so I'll take a non-biased look at Tyler Higby, <laughs> who is tight in 16 in ADP, which is just horseshit. These are Higby's stats in games last year without Gerald Everett. Five receptions, 52 yards, three touchdowns. Now, granted, that was a one-game sample size, but oh. the fact remains that Higby has been hamstrung by Everett for a long time, which has stopped stopped us from truly seeing his potential. Now, not only has Everett left, but he now gets a big upgrade at QB in the staff infection, who has shown in the past that he likes to use the loose end position. I see nothing but upside for Higbeast, and I think he should be a latish target in drafts for people like me who either go high or low in this shithouse position. Yeah, be the first or the last to get a tight end is pretty That's much it. the rule here, right? Absolutely. And, man, if you're going to be last, why not take a guy like this? Because, I mean, what if just by the end of the year he's had like a Noah Fant year where everyone else who wants a piece of a guy like Noah Fant who's like, I don't know, somewhere between 6 and 10 at tight end because at tight end, who cares who's 6 to 10? They're all the same handful of guys and, you know, they all cost about the same. But uh, if you're not going to have to pay that to get that kind of return or maybe better terrific terrific that's the whole idea now i don't think he's gonna be a full-on late guy especially in astro i don't think he's not gonna go near his 16 i'm pretty certain of that there's enough out there and me being on this podcast probably isn't helping yeah no, so <laughs> i don't think he's gonna be the guy you can wait for right at the end i've got another honorable mention that will uh but i think higby's gonna move up um, I, I think he's going to be that guy you can sort of take in the middle, which is fine because really it's just one, you know, draft position where you're not taking a depth piece. You know, you can get away with – you can fill basically your entire starting roster before you need to take him. And that's really all that matters. You know, you can you can take a few depth pieces after him. So you can probably get him in the seventh, maybe six, six – anywhere from six to eighth. Six is probably early, but – anywhere from the seventh to eighth. So he's not a full-on last uh, last round goer, I don't believe. But 
he's just got so much potential. He's shown it in limited time without Everett. You know, I just look for those check marks, you know. Was he in a two tight end timeshare and now isn't? Yes. Did he get an upgrade <laughs> at QB? Yes. Is he in a team that, you know, likes to throw the ball and has a lot of different schemes on offense that, you know, want to do things, and especially dumping off to the tight end position? Yes. Is it a QB that likes to throw the tight end? Yes. There's just so many different check marks for him that I like in a, in a sort of middling tight end. I'll, I'll bring up Hayden Hurst last year, which didn't really work out great for me, but no. I guess he was the same that if you were going that middling sort of tight end, he had a lot going for him, and I think he was tight in nine, and he finished his tight end nine. So it's not like it was a complete miss, but it just wasn't you know fantastic <laughs> for your, your team, but you just got to try and find some value in, the, in these guys, and I think Higbeast has a lot more going for him this year than Hurst did last year, so he's definitely a target of mine. I mean, I think the other thing to understand with tight ends in a league as big as ours, you owned Hayden Hurst last year. Yep. He finished pretty much halfway amongst starting tight ends at nine. And it was still garbage. And, and how hard was he to own? And that's a about average tight end. And he was a tough own, right? I think I still streamed some weeks. You know, yeah. I think I still had him on my roster and I benched him for another tight end. That's how, how crazy it was. You know, even if you're getting literally over like around half best tight end, you know, sitting right in the middle, it still didn't feel good for you because, nice. you know, he'd have the one week where he'd score like 12 or 13, which still isn't like winning you a week. And then the next two weeks, he's scoring three and four. And then as an average, it doesn't look that bad over three weeks, but it didn't really help you. No, not really. Just, I think it's just worthwhile being realistic at tight end. So, I mean, it, Outside of that top handful of guys, you're not getting an argument from me about tight ends way down the bottom because they're all just, how lucky do you feel? Yeah. And I, I just think Higby has far more upside than Hurst did last year. Hurst, yep. Hurst was more the guy that I thought would actually get more receptions and targets just in that high-volume Atlanta offense. Yeah. And the fact he was a high draft pick, you know, they sought after him. There were reasons why, but I just think Higby seems like a – Bigger no-brainer than Nurse was last year, just in the position he is. He's not going to be Kelsey. He's not going to be Waller. He's not going to be Kittle. But he has the ability of going to that top five for sure. And that's all I'm really after. I mean, gosh, what if any of these guys are, uh, you know, Waller or Kittle? Cause, or well, Mark Andrews. That'll do. I mean, fuck. Or, you or a 15th, Robert. 16th, 13th, tight what if one of them turns out to be a top five? Fucking perfect. That's the well, whole reason you play the game down there. Robert Tunyon was third last year, and and he he just got you know obviously that Packers offense was just absurd in terms of their touchdown rate. That's probably not going to stay, but you never know. Um, there's talk that they're trying to turn Tunyon into more of a um, reception guy as well. So he's got upside too. You know what I mean? Like he he's the kind of guy that would, went undrafted and all of a sudden turned into tight end three. So you just never know. Absolutely, like tight end is just the biggest bag of mystery. It's a hundred percent, and this is just because of how many series I watched of this last year. It's like in Survivor when they go to rocks at Tribal Council, and everyone's just putting their hand in a bag, and someone's pulling out one that's a different colour to everybody else. And it's exactly. you know, that's a hundred percent what tight end is like once you get out of the top three. That's it. So I'll give an honourable mention to Adam Troutman. 
Uh, he's in an ADP of 19, which means he may end up in the waivers. But he's a perfect target for someone completely punting the position and going around last. He has a high athletic profile. And with Jared Cook gone and now Michael Thomas gone, there's a lot of vacated targets. This team is incredibly thin at receiver. And if Taysom Hill is the QB, which I believe he will be, there's a lot of targets. Sorry, mate, I've stuffed that up. You all right, mate? Yeah. Let's go. This team is incredibly thin at receiver. And if Taysom Hill is the QB, I believe you will get a lot of targets as Hill may not trust anyone to go deep. So it could be death by a thousand cuts with dump offs to Kamara and short range throws to Troutman, which is a P- in a PPR league will definitely be worth it. I won't die on this hill, pun intended, but he's a great <laughs> player to plug in and dump if he's not working out early. But I think he has upside. Okay, so I don't have a lot to take away from this. Again, because this is one of these ones where you're just literally just hoping something comes off yeah. here. But of course. I, I just yeah, thought I'd take a shot on someone. <laughs> well, and I think the process here is true. That uh, Well, do we really think Taysom Hill, who has not shown any propensity to go deep at all, ever, is all of a sudden going to start going deep, all of a sudden, without... Not without any receivers. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one to throw to. It's all, you know, Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway. That's, yeah. That's what we're doing here. Is that really it? No, I don't think so. So, I mean, there's definitely some there's some chops to the idea that, okay, you just run out with like a split running backs and, uh, you know, two, three tight end sets, whatever. Why not? Because uh, as you called him before, the tight end gadget at quarterback, uh, you know, you, you just don't know what that offense is going to look like if it's him running it. And if it's Jameis running it, which... I mean, that also is not a bad case scenario for tight ends. We saw him make, I don't know if you remember this name, Cameron Bright, yep. a top five tight end at times. Like, what the fuck? Cameron Bright? Insane. So, I don't know. I think either way, as much as you go Aaron Troutman and I had to go, oh, wow, I, I almost had to Google him to remember who he was. <laughs> you um, know, that's old pre, pre-LASIK surgery Jameis. Just didn't care who he was throwing to. Just... The, the old fat dude in the front row eating popcorn or one of his own receivers or one of the defenders. He didn't give a shit where he was slinging it to. <laughs> it's like Patrick Mahomes just throwing it up there going, fuck it, Tyreek's yeah. out there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that works out though. You know, it's not, he, he didn't exactly have Tyreek Hill to do that. <laughs> no, that's true. But, you know, I think the process is similar. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, um, we'll get out of that piece of shit position and then we'll... Uh, Go to running back where I'll finish off. So I've got four guys that I'll just quickly go through that I like, um, all obviously outside of the top 15. So I've got David Montgomery at 18. Yeah. Uh, he finished as the running back six last season and has, you know, and has as part of an offense that should be better than last season. Was drafted to be great and finally showed that late last year and deserves more credit than running back 18. That's what I believe. I believe so too. Um, there, there's, there's two things that really draw me to him and I just keep on thinking to myself, I'm going to have to reach for him because I, 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 playing the roulette and missing him by waiting one extra round kind of annoys me every time I miss him. Yeah. The, the mobile quarterback he's about to get at some point. I mean, do you and I really think Dalton is going to still be quarterbacking this team in week 14? I no, don't. Absolutely I not. 14-4 will be a stretch. Right, and, and a mobile running back, uh, sorry, a mobile quarterback always helps the yards per carry 
of a running back. Always. Yep. And it just, it's been true forever. And you can look at any moment. You can even see RG3 doing it for big, fat Alfred Morris, for fuck's sake. So, I mean, if that can work, I don't think David Montgomery is Alfred Morris. I think he's far better. <laughs> I think people have forgotten quickly how touted he was coming into the league, too. Now, he had so much chops and, you know, he played a, I think it was a preseason game and he just like broke the ankles of someone on defense yeah. and he, everyone just went nuts for him. I remember I I think I traded for him in a league. I drafted him in my dynasty, who, which I'm actually still pretty happy with. Like, <laughs> he didn't he didn't show what everyone thought he would in the first year, so it's like he got punted. And then last year, he, he only dominated right at the end in the last six games where they got a really good run of games against shitty run defenses. But how often have you seen a, a player come up against shitty run defenses and still do nothing? Yeah. You know, just because it's a good matchup doesn't guarantee that you're going to take advantage of it. So I, I don't think he gets enough credit. I will say that I don't think he's going to get the receptions that he got at the end of last year. I, I, I think he probably might get the same over an entire season. But when he sort of had that run at the end, there was no Tarek Cohen. I, yeah. I, I don't really rate him anyway, but he always seems to pilfer some receiving work on a third down. Um, even Damian Williams coming in, they might use him in the passing game. So Man. I don't think he's. I think he may miss out on some of the passing work. But like you said, he gets a mobile quarterback. It, it's only going to open up the middle for him completely. Yeah. So and I, I think he's actually still got a lot of talent. I think everyone forgets about that, and I just think he's a, a value at eighteen. He isn't some big fat guy who's a plotter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like he's got he's speed. All- the agility and speed and the quick, you know, like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think people have forgotten. I just don't understand it. Anyhow, uh, if I've, I've sort of had to just reach a little earlier for him in the last mock draft I did because I yep. kind of got sick of missing him. I just yeah, he's he in that awkward spot sometimes. It's like, yeah, I, I find often that he'll be like the fourth running back on the list. And then you'll go the higher one, and then he's gone next time. You know, he, you're right. You have to sort of reach for him in a way, and it gets a little bit frustrating. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe he falls closer to me in the draft, or I'm just going to have to reach. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Because I mean, there's obviously going to be a few folks with eyes on him then. Because I mean, I'm saying I've got eyes on him, yeah. And there will be others who do too, but there'll definitely be some who hear this and go, "I should have eyes on that guy." Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I should stop talking then because I'm uh, ruining my own guys. But (laughs) uh, I'll go next to DeAndre Swift at 20. Uh, As mentioned, the Lions receiving core is a bucket of shit, and their best chance at consistency is in their backfield with Swift and Williams. So expect many, many dump-offs from Jared Goff, and Swift showed last year what he can do with them. He's also their lead rusher, which will only add to his fantasy totals. But I think his receiving work on this team will make him very relevant. He's also another high-end draft pick that was expected to be great. And, mate, look, at 20, this guy was kind of a bit of a league winner for Scuba last year. Yeah. Yeah, I remember bringing him up in some of the um, talks when I was doing the matchups that, you know, he... He clearly showed that he had a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff. Like he, like we just talked about with Montgomery, he was quick, he was agile, he was great in the passing game. But then he also got it done on the ground when he needed yeah. to. He, I think he's clearly 
one of the better running backs in the league. You know, I've looked at him at some in some dynasty stuff for some trades because I, I think he's actually got a really great career coming up. And I know he's just yeah. not in a great you know situation in Detroit, but because he's a pass catcher, that's what makes me not worry that much because they're not just. It's not like it's. He's the guy that's you know just needs goal line work and you know is going to be the guy rushing for twenty times. He needs volume on the ground and then all of a sudden they bring in Jamal Williams when the game's out of hand. That would worry me more because then in Detroit you would actually be taking the pass catcher completely because you know they're going to be behind a lot. Whereas this year, because he's a pass catcher too, I could actually see him being in there for three downs a bit. Uh, I think Jamal Williams comes in like he did to spell a bit like like he did with Aaron Jones last year at the Packers. But I'm not worried by the fact that the Lions are going to be a great team because I think he's going to do a lot in the air as well. So I'm not too worried at all. I think he's got upside because he has the lead rushing uh, game as well and he has upside in the air. Well, mate, I agree. And I just sort of think that, you know, it's it's tough for me to remember this too, that last year was his rookie year as well. And he just really matured into that role. And I just kind of think, you know, um, I know the second year can be a little tough because the book is out on you then. But I don't know. I'm just filled with a lot of optimism for the guys. So, you know, this is a rare time where I feel really good about a lion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> So the next two, I wish you could combine them because together they would be the perfect running back. But I think, but I think at their <laughs> positions, just because they're so good at what they do, I think they're massive values. So I've got Chase Edmonds at twenty nine, uh, high powered offense, and he has at the very least the passing down work. Kenyon Drake is gone, and injury prone James Conner is there. So I can only see more rushing attempts for Edmonds than last year, with the potential to take on the entire role. Harris, who is at 32, I love his talent. He's clearly the best running back on his team at the Patriots. I believe his rushing attempts go up significantly this season, and with the potential to get the goal line work, and for those to be more valuable if Mac Jones comes in for noodle arm Cam Newton. <laughs> I think his worst case scenario is slightly more attempts than last year and more pilfered rushing uh, touchdowns from Cam, which still makes him better than last season. Nothing but upside I can see for this guy. Well, yeah, and so I've, I'll save my Chase Edmund one for a minute. I mean, you know that I am pretty nervous about Harris with Cam Newton. Yep. as the, the quarterback. And that's why, I, that's why I thought I'd throw a little bit of the devil's advocate in there. But yeah. like I said, I, I think his worst-case scenario is still better than last year. So that, that's why I, 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 is, I yeah. threw that in there. But, you, you know, you can rebuttal for sure. <laughs> you know, that's it. There's just there's the chance that it's not Cam who, two yards out, he just flops over the line. It's like LeBron taking a charge. He's just like, oh, oh I'll pull it over. And, and Cam has always been the goal line back on every team he plays on. So, you know, that's my nervousness with Harris. And I think if it is Jones, which it may well be, he's going to be such a steal because Jones isn't doing that. And where else are they going to look? I mean, they've, they've really given up on Sony Michelle. So, I mean, it just it looks like Harris. And, and I think it is one of these weird things where his success completely hinges on somebody else's life. So I just don't know what to do with it. So I'm glad he's down at 32, but I think it's very likely he's going to be somebody else's problem because there's going to be other guys around that I feel less nervous about. So 
I think it also comes down to what you think about the quarterback position. So you need to almost call your shot on how long you think Cam's going to be there. Yeah. Because his upside definitely is capped with Cam there. There's just no doubt about it. Even if he ends up on the goal line, Cam, like you said, takes all that goal line work. He just That's just what he does. And because he's got a noodle arm, you know, he's not going to be involved in the passing game. And that's just sort of not Damian Harris's MO anyway. He's more no. of the running back. The problem with him last year was he was in the between the 20s. He didn't seem to be on the goal line, uh, and he he didn't get any of the goal line work. So he just basically got them all the way to where they needed to be, and then then he was off the field. I don't think that happens this year. I think he is the goal line back. You know, you don't have a Rex Burkhead anymore. Um, Sony is just – I think he's – done there. I just think he's there because they didn't want to give up on the fact that they took him high a a few years ago. I I just think it's between him and James White, and James White's obviously the third down guy, um, which is not Damian Harris's MO again, like I mentioned anyway. I just think if he has to get more than what he got last year. That is his floor is better than last year and if Mac Jones comes in, which I'm projecting to happen because the way I look at it is they're in a pretty tough division. They're not just yeah, going to float are. through this division like they used to back in the day. They've got Miami. They've got Buffalo. I think the Jets are going to be better than a lot of people think. I'm a bit bullish on the Jets. So Ooh. I think that they're, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Patriots. I just think they're going to have a tough game against them. And they're probably going to find a way to lose to at least one of the other two teams, if not both. And they're not going to be in a great position after four or five weeks like they used to. I think they make the change then. I just don't see the point of them holding Cam there for them to finish 8 and 9 or 9 and 8 or whatever it's going to be. I think they need to see what they've got in Mac, and I think it's going to happen earlier rather than later. Um, I know they've got a great defense, so they can probably sustain Cam, but I think they're quickly going to realize that with Josh Allen in their division, they're going to need to score some points. So I think Mac Jones offers them that best opportunity. And when he's there, Damian Harris... His ADP is so much lower than he's going to finish if he's got Mac Jones for, you know, more than 50% of the season. Yeah, look, it's hard to not agree with that because it is really all about the the Cam Newton and um, and Mac Jones thing. And, I mean, Cam, I think, to me, I was so unimpressed with the idea of him going to New England in the first place. But then after he got back from that, sitting out with COVID, it essentially killed everything that Cam was even remotely likely to be good at except for the goal line work it's all he has just the cockroach <laughs> fucking lived on <laughs> he just kept on stealing goal goal line touchdowns um so look, i think that's probably you know that that really is it you know what do you feel about the patriots quarterback situation it's really going to determine a lot about damien harris's life but uh, over in arizona chase edmonds i'm really interested in him i don't know if i'm as interested in him at 29 as it would be if he was he was 32, I'd be definitely much more interested because I just wonder about Connor. I know that he was part of this, like, wrecking machine that completely fuck-assed my team last year. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, I'm a little jaded about James Connor in the first place, and I think they should strip him of his surname and give him a different surname because he's bringing my family embarrassment. But... I just, I, I just kind of wonder what he brings into an Arizona team where, you know, they do a lot of interesting things. They've got a really dynamic quarterback. They've got some wonderful pass catches to really stretch that field out nice and long to give a lot of room for these nifty guys underneath. And I just kind of wonder how many snaps Connor's going to see. And that's the only question mark I've got over it. Well, we took uh, Connor late in that Astro uh, in the podcast league because I, I like his potential at where he's been drafted too. Mm. 
just because mm. if he comes and inherits that old Kenyan Drake role, that's actually going to mean something. You know, that's a very high-powered offense. Uh, they've shown that because they've got the mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray, yes, he pilfers a lot of rushing touchdowns, but he also opens it up in the middle too. And everyone was so down on Kenyon Drake last year because he was being drafted as like yeah. running back inside the top 10. It was like eight or nine or something. Oh, and then yeah, he delivered right. like yeah. a running back 15 or something finished. So everyone hated it. But if you look at that, imagine if Connor walks into that role and gets running back 15. And that that's, again, why I'm actually bullish on Edmonds too, because I don't think that's going to happen. I think he would be more like a running back 25 or something, maybe. Um, Connor, I mean, if he kind of walks into that role. And I think that just opens up extra opportunity for Edmonds, because I think Edmonds is going to get more rushing attempts than he got last year, just because I think Connor is a downgrade on Drake uh, in that rushing. And the fact you've got to take in that injury progress yeah. of, of James Connor and there's a decent chance he's going to be out here in yeah. the next year you know and just because they got him knowing that they might even rest him some games and you've just got Edmonds sitting there as the lead back for, for rushing attempts and all the passing down work so I just think there's upside for him at 29 a lot of times I actually like Damien Harris more than him. So even though yeah. he's, like you said, if you liked him at 32, I often take Harris over him in mocks purely because I like Harris better and he's lower as well. Um, but I like Edmonds too. And if, you know, somehow I could nag both if I sort of punted a little bit on the running back two position, I would like <laughs> yeah. to somehow, I would like to actually have one as running back two and one as my flex. I actually think that would be. Not a bad thing because I actually really like both of their potential this year. Well, and to be honest, that's about the range I'm finding I can get either of these guys in is around about my flex. Yeah, you know, that's it, to have one of them as my running back too. I'd feel probably uncomfortable, but if they could be my flex, then I feel like I've got options. But if they're my running back too, I kind of feel married to them, and that makes me nervous. Yeah, which is that's fair enough. But I'm always a little bit more. I'm happy to be like take a bit of a risk in my running back too if I know I've really solidified that that one spot. Yeah. And especially if I know I've got the other one in the flex. You know, worst case scenario, one of them flashes, one of them doesn't. Yes. I can move them in and then I can run someone on my bench that looks like they're going okay in my flex anyway. And then I can just sit either Edmonds or Harris that isn't looking like they're going well at the moment on my bench until maybe they then show something later. So yeah. if you could get both of them I think that would actually be a really good play. Uh, they are so close together that you almost need to be on the turn to do that, I've found, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess because especially with our league scoring being so odd and only having their own approaches, you just don't know what to expect this year. You don't. You now. really don't. And I've pr- it's proven last year, all the mocks and stuff I did, what then happened on draft day was just so different with the amount of running backs and when we got in uh, round one, and I was completely caught off guard, and it just rattled me. I don't think, I don't think I drafted Chris Godwin as my wide receiver one in the million mocks I did, and somehow I ended up doing it on draft day. I just got, I mean, no yeah. one can talk about being rattled any more than you can after going uh, to Godonis Johnson, but I. I just completely threw out everything that I thought I knew and I sort of had a tier-based system and the, the running backs that came back to me on that second round, I just wasn't really a fan of any of them. So no. I thought, oh, I like Godwin here. But then I looked at the, my team at the end of it and said, this doesn't look like anything that I liked in the preseason. <laughs> so 
I almost feel like you've got to stick with some sort of baseline that you thought you were going to go into because it just goes to shit if it, you just completely change. Yeah, this is kind of why I advocate for tears over having strong opinions on individual guys. And I like the idea of, well, I like this guy more than that guy. But I'm not like, I would avoid that guy and go for this guy if, to me, they're about the same cost and I can expect the same stuff out of them. I've just got to take names off jerseys and, and realise it doesn't actually matter who they are. It's about the points and it's about the opportunity yeah. they get. And Very talented guys have died on hills where there's no volume and, and you know, guys who, you know, just they're just like a, a meat sack in a jersey have been very valuable because they've got a lot of opportunities. So, I mean, take, getting really enamored by a particular person once you get through a couple of rounds to me doesn't make as much sense as it does being like well let's just lump these guys together because they're about the same to me and i should be happy with any of them and that's kind of been same as you in terms of tears that's how i've approached it lately and uh, aside from the duke johnson move it's served me reasonably well (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i I put it out there you and i are going to be far better this year i I can't be much worse. I think you feel like you probably, even though you nearly made the playoffs, uh, feel like you're going to have a better team this year. So I, I say that, you know, I would consider you the host. I've probably been on here the most. So us being the advocates for this podcast, I say you and I put our records together and we really just tear the shit out of this league. What do you say? <laughs> do you know how much I would love that? Uh, I'm sort of foreseeing myself having a pretty rough year. I have not liked it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll shoulder the load for us. You'd be the bastion. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to – I'm just going to be piggybacked along by you. That's how it's going to happen. If you and I are going to dominate this league, it's definitely going to be your Batman. And I'm Robin. <laughs> What's funny was I was happy to front up when I was getting destroyed last year on the podcast. I was every week. But I almost found that less intimidating because I knew I was basically out of it. So I could just yeah. have fun. I could just take my shots, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think I traded more when I knew I was out of it. But I was always to make my team better. I was trying to get a better record. Of course, I was yeah. trying to ruin the league or something. Uh, but... I actually feel like if I had a good record this year, I would want to come on the pod less because I'd actually start worrying. Going, oh no, I'm going to have a, I'm, I'm due for a two-game loss here. You know, I, I feel yes. like when you're actually going well, you feel a little bit more worried than when you've got absolutely <laughs> nothing to lose. Well, and the stakes could not be lower than zero and five. Exactly. You can only turn this into the best comeback of all time. That's all you can do. (laughs) I'll never play fantasy football. What would you do differently? Cover your anus. Make sure everyone covers their (laughs) anus for anyone out there. It's just how the Steelers roll, man. Yeah, you gave me a bone and then you immediately took it away. (laughs) Because I'm a mean foreigner. Absolutely love his parties. They're so good. I love taking the piss out of people acting foolishly. And boom, that is it. Taylor out make sure you catch up with the first episode too if you haven't caught it it is the couple of guys who are a bit earlier on the list of fellas to smash through their adp make sure you come back and catch us next week too because i've got dave horton from the centurions gridiron they are the world champions of the actgl and he's going to talk to me about what's going on in centurions gridiron and the act gridiron as a whole as the season approaches we are in lockdown here in the act as well so how does a team prepare for their season while they can't work together in person you're 
going to find all that out here on the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast. So come back and check that out next week. And then right at the end of the week before we draft, we're going to talk to Taylor again. And we're going to mock draft before our actual draft goes live on the 29th of August. So make sure you catch up with us for all of that, the Centurions, and a big old mock draft before we draft for reals. In the meantime, catch us everywhere that we're on social media. Drop me an email if you need to. For anyone who needs details about the draft too, you can come tap me on the shoulder through Messenger or any of the other platforms. And uh, we're getting ready to draft. It's serious time of the year. And I'll catch you next week. Hooroo. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League-specific news, information and stats. With your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C.